Hey, beer nerds. Welcome to the podcast. Who needs intro music when we can just get straight to the interview? Speaking today with Jeff Faith from Fair's Beer. And, um, well, you know, that was originally founded in the late 1800s. And, and no, Jeff isn't that old. But listen, and you can find out how he got involved with the beer that was at one point in history, one of the most popular beers in America. And it's being brewed right here in my hometown of Louisville. Happy to be joined now in Louisville, Kentucky, with by Jeff Faith of Fairs Beer. Um, Jeff, before we get into into your portion of of this story, just fifty thousand foot view of Fairs. Um, you know, late eighteen hundreds, eighteen seventy ish. Frank Fair, this guy, moves to Louisville, starts home brewing. Uh, he's really good at it. Has a knack for it. Creates his Frank Fairs Extra Lager. Uh, it's a pre-prohibition lager, and uh, it gained some notoriety. It became one of the most widely consumed beers in, in America. They had distribution out to the West Coast, I believe. Um, and then Prohibition happens. Stops production, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, work work kind of ha- picks back up uh, a little bit. And then in the mid-60s or so, uh, fairs just ceases to exist. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. yeah? <laughs> All right. That's pretty close. Well, and, and now... Uh, th- thanks to thanks to you, and it's it's being brewed again here in, in Louisville at Akasha Brewing. Yeah, yeah, and those those guys are doing a great job. So where where do you fall into that story that I just told? Oh, that's crazy. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I was a home brewer um, for a few years. Um, you know, entered some beer in the state fair, and you know, I would I would uh, I would hang around the homebrew club just a little bit. I, I don't tend to hang around clubs a whole lot, but you know, I'd, not, I'd go, not, not a club guy. I'd go brew in a couple of events, you know, like over at Apocalypse for the uh, the dog event every fall. Um, but you know, uh, when actually when when Fall City came back and then Sterling came back, and I was like, you know, man, that's that's cool that these guys are doing this. Um, these historic legacy, you know, brands are coming back. yeah, the his, you know, the historic part, and uh, and uh, I know initially, um, you know, I, I think they're doing great things now, but initially, you know, they were brewing the beer in other places and shipping it in. And that's, you know, money-wise, that makes sense. I mean, I totally get where they were coming from. But uh, uh, I was literally just having a beer with my buddy Rob, uh, who used to work over at Goodwood. And uh, we were talking, you know, just about beer and history and, uh, and the, 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 you know, the bringing back of old names. And uh, suddenly I found myself on the... Uh, patent office trademark site and uh, i realized somebody other people had tried to buy the fair's name and it was kind of tied up but uh um, screwing around with that for six or eight months suddenly it became free and and i got my name into the you know into the trademark office for uh, the rights to fairs um and i screwed up the application uh so then i redid it um talked to uh, the the patent office there and uh um, yeah, the patent lawyers called me and we talked a lot and you know I got everything straight and suddenly I owned the rights to fairs um, but in the meantime I'd, I'd read um, Conrad Selle's, uh book uh, and they had, they had translated old German newspapers uh, you know from the 1880s um, they had the basis for the recipe for fairs XL right there in the book but um, you know a little more Talking to Conrad and some, you know, some more history and digging into brewing books. And so, uh, so you pulled the recipe straight from a book, a <laughs> photograph in a book. Yes, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and, and actually, like I said, Conrad Selle uh, was was a big help. We talked about what was available back then, hops wise, and, and and you know, but but the book actually says, hey, this it had 
so many pounds of hops per barrel, and it, you know it was it was it was seventy percent seventy percent six row barley, and the rest was uh, you know thirty percent rice. It was it's like you know this is this is a pretty standard beer for the day. You know it was um, it, it wasn't anything unusual. It was a it was a good lager, um, but uh, you know I just kind of dug through the history, and 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 then I made five gallons uh, on my own uh, lagering. Literally, with the uh, you know in a five-gallon plastic bucket, with that bucket sitting in another bucket of ice water, and I would just check it every day and add ice, you know, as I needed, um, which is kind of funny when you think about the the way the first five gallons came out. But but uh, it, I started sharing that five gallons with friends, uh, a couple people in the industry, uh, Joel from over at Goodwood, you know, BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of those guys were like, "Man, this is." This is good beer. You know, what is this? I said, well, you know, this is Fairs XL. You know, um, so it kind of, it, it kind of uh, started to take off a little bit right there, just in my mind, I guess. Um, but uh, it took a few years to figure out the right way to, to make it happen. Did Did you know about Fairs before you read that book? You know what? I I, I knew of the name. Um, I knew a little bit of the history, but I didn't. I didn't really have a uh, an, an attachment to it. I guess mm-hmm. you know. I mean, because you weren't drinking beers in like 1964. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, that's that's funny. I mean, uh, I guess you know. In, so in the in in 64, actually, you know, they started they stopped making fairs in Louisville. You know, they went out of business. But the but the name lived on uh, up in Shaling uh, Brewery up in Cincinnati. They they continued to make fairs XL and and Kentucky Malt Liquor, which was a fairs uh, fairs brand. Um, so they made those out of Cincinnati up into the seventies and it, it even shows up in the movie uncle buck. So they were, they were made a little bit really? of it in the eighties and, and every now and then you see some cans out there with a barcode on the side and a staple tab, you know, uh, for the can collectors, they know exactly how to date that stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's in the eighties. But, uh, the story I've kind of heard was that, you know, Shane Ling was kind of hurting and they were like, man, what can we do? Maybe we can revive one of our old brands. And uh, and stay in business. So I, I think that's where that happened, and you know probably how it ended up in the movie Uncle Buck. But so the the beer itself is being brewed here at Akasha Brewing in Louisville. Yeah. How did that relationship come to be? Um, that's you know, I, at the time, actually, when I when Akasha first opened, I actually had been uh, looking at uh, spaces. You know, I. I I have a day job. I play music at night. I got way too much. By the way, what, what is your day job? Uh, you we know, talk about that. I, I, I can. I work on uh, corporate jets for a living. I, I'm an airplane mechanic, um, and I work on some little airplanes for friends on the side. And then, and then, yeah, I play. I play a lot of music um, in about five different bands at any one time. <laughs> uh, but I don't really have time to brew for a living. But I started looking for spaces, and I kind of liked the idea of what Apocalypse was doing. You know, at the time they were. Uh, only open on the weekends you know they would they would brew small batches open up for the weekend and, and I started looking for spaces um, and I actually walked into Akasha uh, to check it out when they you know, right after they opened and um, uh, I'm, I'm losing the name uh, the guy used to own the homebrew store um, Paul Paul yeah Paul was working here at the time and Paul's like hey man what's up with fairs what are you doing and it's like, well, you know, I'm looking for a space, but uh, honestly, if I could find somebody like this, you know, these guys at Akashi, if I could find somebody that existed already, that was cool, that liked beer, um, somebody local that could brew it um, and would work with me, I'd love to do that. Um, and, of course, you know, it's like, well, you know, we don't really have tank space here. It'd be fun to help, but we don't have tank space. And 
and that's when I offered to buy a tank. It's like, hey, look, you know, um, it, at that time they they had a seven barrel system. Well, I think it was the seven and a half, you know, tanks were the biggest ones they had, and so I bought a ten barrel fermenter, um, which uh, which helped the brewery out, I think, um, and helped fairs get started. You know, so that's uh, that was uh, that was the beginning of the relationship. Just hey, look, you know, if you'll brew for me, I'll buy some equipment. You know, this um, uh, and and you know. I just want it to exist in Louisville. Uh, I don't. I don't want to make it somewhere else. I want it to be made in Louisville. It needs to be uh, as close to what you know we think the original recipe was as we can. And this this is Fairs Extra Lager. Fairs XL, yeah. So what, what is what is XL? That's a great question. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, that's all. I don't. I really don't know what is what is XL um, because you see Extra Lager written sometimes on the uh, old advertising or the, the the cans and bottle labels. Does that mean it was lagered longer? I mean, the beer is actually lagered here. Uh, it's not filtered. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's in the tank for seven to eight weeks. Uh, nobody does that anymore. So, I mean, we, I guess we could say it really is extra lagered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the beer the beer is good. I mean, you, you know me. You see me drinking this stuff enough. Oh, yeah. But what I really do like <laughs> about Fairs is, is the history, too, and, and the story behind it. And I think the, the story of Fairs is a story of, of Louisville. And pre-Prohibition... I mean, Louisville is one of the top beer cities in the country, and people don't know that. I mean, along with St. Yeah. Louis, Milwaukee, Cincinnati. Well, yeah, you know, and the more I got into um, you know, the whole fairs idea and uh, uh, start digging, you know, and then, and then finding advertisements, newspaper uh, articles, new, newspaper ads. I've got newspaper ads from 1917 for advertising fairs beer in Phoenix and, uh, wow. and uh, San Francisco. You know, uh, and I knew that it was, that, you know, it was always said it was the biggest brewery in the South. I mean, that's, I'd heard that, but, uh, but to think that they were selling beer all the way to the West Coast just blows me away. Um, and at one point, Frank Fair actually went to uh, New Orleans and, and set up a brewery in New Orleans. Uh, and it was, I think it was the New Orleans Brewing Company or oh, something really? simple like that. But, but that was Frank Fair made that happen. And I kind of wonder, you know, did he do that so that he could make fairs there? And ship it on out west. I mean, just you know, was that a, was that uh, uh, maybe maybe they were making their own beer, you know, a, under a different brand. But mm-hmm. was he making fairs just so he could have it, you know, shipped out west, you know, easier? I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's all it's all interesting. The whole the whole history and and, and there th- unanswered you know lots of unanswered questions, I guess. So go, going through the history of, of fairs, did you get a sense of what the beer scene? in Louisville was like at at its time before Prohibition? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny. There was actually a group called the Central Consumers Group where a bunch of the... Uh, That's a good name. Uh, yeah, the Central Consumers Group. They all they all joined together. And, the, you know, before Prohibition, there we didn't have the three-tier system. There weren't... Uh, there, there were, you know, uh, the brewery. The brewery might own the bars. Mm-hmm. Um, so the guys in the Central Consumers Group, you know, they all got together. It was... Uh, uh, you know, fairs and Ertles and uh, Phoenix Brewery. Um, I can't remember, Sin and Ackerman, maybe. I mean, there were a bunch of breweries in town that were all part of the uh, the Central Consumers Group. But but they they just said, hey, cool, no problem. We'll we'll buy up all the bars. You know, we own the beer, we own the bars. Um, you know, we're distributing ourselves. We won't sell anybody else's beer in our bar. So they pretty much owned every bar in town. And uh, it was, it's funny, when, when Fall City came along, they were actually, they were, they were the underdog. They weren't part of the, of the Central Consumers Group. Um, and, uh, you know, they were, 
they were the little guy trying to fight the big mean guys. And, you know, of course, Frank Fair was actually kind of ran the uh, Central Consumers Group. So maybe, you know, maybe in a way somebody would say, oh, you know, they were the they were the the uh, big corporate guys of the time. You know, in Louisville, but, but uh, there were so many breweries back uh, there. There were I like mean, yeah, what 50, 60 yeah. breweries or something. It's at, at one point. But and now we have <laughs> less than twenty. Is it? Yeah, is it? Yeah, I'm not even sure. Yeah. I mean, I know it's growing. It's yeah. growing. Oh, we're about to open six in the next six months. That's amazing. It's well, amazing. I believe, but well, um, honestly, there there are days I wish I would have opened my own place, um, just because I think it'd be cool. But I would be. Uh, we wouldn't have as much fares, and I would be uh, worn out. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I love that. I love that that, uh, that Rick has done so much here for you know for fares. I mean, yeah. it's fun. Yeah, Takasha. So uh, going back to prohibition. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, before prohibition, all that stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, they, it was it, it was a, it was a strange time just because, I mean, there was a lot of money flowing uh, between the bars and the and the breweries and. Uh, kind of locking other breweries out of certain bars, you know. So um, the big guys, you know, Ertl's, Fairs, they were they were kind of in control of the whole beer scene in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, Prohibition hits. A lot of these beverage companies, not just beer but wh- whiskey too, they turn to other business ventures to stay afloat. I mean, Brown Foreman starts selling medicinal whiskey f- through uh, Old Forester. They were smart. <laughs> and so they, 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 they survived. They were still making whiskey and just – in a different way um what, what did ferris do during that time you know that's a great question um i, I think and I, i'm trying to remember uh I've, I've read too much uh it gets jumbled up but the uh i know some of the beer sellers were used for growing mushrooms and um at the time huh. uh they also made some sodas uh but uh i can't remember which part of that ferris was doing i, 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 I had read about ice well, so, you know, and uh, that's a, ice is an interesting thing with the fair's history. That goes back to about 1890, 1880, 1890. The first ammonia compressors for the first refrigeration unit in Louisville was Frank Fair's. Uh, fair Frank Fair had that is a random piece of uh, trivia. I know, I don't think isn't I'll it strange? But, but, you know, it's so funny. Uh, uh, and there's actually in Conrad Selly's book, there's a there's a photo um, of this big machine, you know, giant flywheel that's eight you know feet, eight, ten feet high with ladders and you know stairs going around this thing, but it was a big ammonia compressor, um, so they were able to make ice and they actually supplied the whole city with ice. And you know before that, um, you know the the beer sellers around here they would they would cut ice from the lakes when they were frozen in the winter, and then they would store those in the cellars and and uh, you know packed with uh, packed with straw you know whatever it was like just literally big ice boxes underground but once once frank fair got this uh this big ice machine he was able to make ice all year round it made you know loggers a whole lot easier to do and uh and uh he was literally supplying the whole city with ice at one point wow yeah um so (laughs) less uh less than a year ago uh ferris gets canned for the first time since 19 (laughs) since 1964 yeah yeah. I, i believe i guess but um it was it was on draft here at Akasha before then, but what what was that experience like for you? To get to see that in in six packs. <laughs> well, I tell you, you know it's funny. Um, we're operating on a pretty small <laughs> budget, so uh, you know I was literally back there. Uh, I mean, I I personally labeled. I mean, we're we're not buying pre-printed cans, so you know we buy blank cans and. Uh, um, we put labels on uh, on the cans, but I personally labeled every single can. You know, 3,500 cans is on a pallet, um, but I personally labeled all of those. 
and then uh, Spencer and Nate and I um, and Rick, you know, it, it, it takes three of us, and four is nice, but uh, it, it takes three of us to kind of run the uh, very small canning line that we have. You know, it's, it, it fills two cans at once and seems one can at a time. Um, it's very labor-intensive, oh, yeah. but it's really cool that we were able to, to do that. And uh, I think the first run, we, we canned 28 cases, or was it less than that? Was it 18 cases? <laughs> I can't remember. It was, it was a very small run. Um, and we were just trying to figure things out, but um, if I remember, uh, so I full disclosure, I, I worked here at the time. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> so I was, I was behind the bar. If I'm remembering right, sold out in one day. Yeah, in about two and a half hours, yeah. <laughs> two and a half hours, which was cool. Um, and the, yeah, I had friends sending me texts, you know, like, "Hey man, can you save me a case?" And I'm like, I, I just can't even respond anymore. <laughs> nobody, nobody is getting. I'm not saving anything for anybody. If you want beer, come by. But. Um, uh, we're still using the same canning system, but we've improved the uh, the. I guess it's faster. It's more streamlined. Okay. We're we're moving we're moving faster. Um, but but yeah, it's still very manual. I, um, it 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 put visions in my head of one of my dreams. I, something I told my friend Kevin Gibson, you know, uh, a few years ago when I first started this. He's like, you know, where do you where do you see fares, or what do you want to see for fares? And it's like, dude, I want to see it in every bowling alley and gas station in town. You know. I'd like to see people <laughs> drinking cans of fairs, you know, um, but uh, bowling alley beer. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's to me, it's it's perfect. It's you know, it goes good with pizza, bowling, you know, um, uh, cutting the grass. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just a good classic lager. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool to see that happen, and it, it just kind of pushes that dream of seeing it in bowling alleys or you know seeing it on the gas station shelf uh you know or in you know gas station coolers uh, well into into that point fares on draft is not just available i mean it's not only at akasha you can find it in other spots in town yeah it's from what i under, and, and i you would think i'd be better at this uh, at understanding this um uh the i know it's in about 25 places around the state and uh um i, I hear from like uh, Scott over at Goodwood, you know, he when he's out running around the state, he's always like, "Man, I see your beer everywhere." <laughs> you know, it's out there, um, but uh, I don't always know. And every now and then, I'll get a, a message from somebody. They're like, "Hey, I'm drinking, you know, drinking affairs at the post." I'm like, "Oh, oh sweet, totally. you know, yeah. cool." Um, or, so I always get banquet at the post, except oh, do you? except <laughs> when I see affairs. That's all. Well, you know, that's funny. Banquet's one of my go tos. Oh, totally. It's a good solid. That's, it's it's classic. You know, it's one of the best. Yeah. So let, let's say you're you're at a bar. At an account that sells fares on draft, have you ever just had an old guy sit down next to you, and then all of a sudden, like, kind of perk up when he sees that fares is on come tap? On, have I ever? No, it happens all the time. Um, so, what, what what do they say? What do these old guys who used to drink this beer say? Then, but uh, now it's back. Well, you know, it's 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 amazing because uh, I mean, I hear stories about uh, you know, like, oh my god, I haven't had this since I stole it out of my dad's garage in the '60s, you know, or or my grandfather used to let me take a sip of his beer and it tastes just like that. Um, but it's it's uh it's funny how they I mean those guys, I mean I can't imagine remembering the flavor for that that long but but there are guys that are saying man this tastes just like what I remember you know um, it's amazing to me that uh, they get excited about it um, I actually I, I stopped in the Akasha about a week ago and there was an older couple sitting at the bar and uh, um, you know the I kind of walked in I, I don't think there was anybody else around it was early. Uh, on a Sunday, but I walked in and and uh, ordered affairs, and uh, they're like, "Hey, this this couple over here came in just for fares," mm-hmm. and and I hear that all the time, like you know, "Hey, these 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 people are here; they just came in just for fares." 
and I, I usually go chat with them a little bit, but but they these guys it was the same story. They um, this lady's uh, this lady's was it her dad or I'm sorry her uncle or something used to work for one of the breweries you know years and years ago, but um, just remembers you know the name and, and her parents drinking it. You know it was just like you know. Uh, just the history. I mean, everybody seems to remember or know somebody that worked at their brewery or somebody's grandfather drank the beer. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's really cool. But but I, I've seen uh, I've seen uh, guys get tears in their eyes when they're taking a sip. But it's really, that's, I don't know, it's, it's sweet. Yeah, that's amazing, actually. Um, <clears throat> a brand that exists that long, uh, you, you start seeing some memorabilia pop up, some it's old everywhere. signage, and <laughs> yeah. it. So I was gonna say like. You travel a little bit for work. Do you ever see it out and about? Have you ever, or how about this? Have you ever gone out of your way, traveled to pick something up? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. I, I, I guess I have. Um, uh, I've had a lot of stuff shipped in. I mean, you know, the we we have an amazing thing with things like eBay. <laughs> yeah. But um, and, and you collect this stuff too, obviously. I do. I, I have a museum of of stuff. I mean. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even, what am I doing with all this? We, but We've got to get you an but, exhibit at Fraser. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, uh, the Fraser thing. Um, <laughs> it's a little off track it's here. Tr- but, totally, yeah. But uh, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I guess two years ago, I got a, a Facebook message from somebody just randomly. And they're like, hey, I've, I've got Frank Fair's desk. Would you like to buy it? And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking, how do you, how do you know? That, I mean, <laughs> How do you? How do you, there's no way you know this is Frank Fair's desk. I mean, I said, man, I don't know that I can afford it. And I, my thought was, well, this is probably somebody that um, just thinks, hey, this guy's got a bunch of money and is buying Frank Fair stuff. I'm like, cool. But I said, look, I, man, I, I'm, I might be interested. You know, if you send me some photos, I'd love to see what it is you have. Um, and and he said, well, I got some other stuff too. You know, there's and so he sends me this photo of a desk, and uh, you know, it looks like something from the 50s or 60s. And uh, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe it could be something with Frank Jr. You know, which he he was running the he was running the brewery after his dad died, and up and you know to the end. But um, uh, they send me they send me a photo, and I I see this desk. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And hey, there's a photo of Frank Jr. and his wife, and and there's a, a affairs bottle and a couple of other things. And I notice on the desk is this little um, about a four inch uh, bronze medal in a case, in a leather case. And uh, <laughs> it got my attention, and I, it's something I knew about but had never seen. Couldn't believe one even existed. But uh, Frank Fair actually won uh, the best. Like, like the, it was actually uh, the, the best display of beer at the Southern Exposition for yeah. every year that the Southern Exposition was around. And I, I zoom in on this photo, and it says Southern Exposition, and I'm like, oh, like like my heart was racing. Like, oh my God, there's no way. Um, you know, this, these people have a medal from the Southern Exposition. And uh, I, sent a, I sent him a message back. And I said, look, I, any idea what you want for all that stuff? I mean, I'll just take it all. <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. So you go from, I don't know if I even want that desk, yeah. to I want everything in Yeah, the I'll just take it all. I'll be right over. Uh, let me grab my truck. Um, but, yeah, I went over, and, and it turns out that their dad um, or their parents were friends of Frank Jr. and his wife. So um, when Frank Jr. died... Uh, they called. They called this, you know, this couple up, and they said, "Hey, we want you to have a couple of things if you're interested." And they went over and gave them the desk and the medal and a couple of other things. Um, and, and they were just cleaning out. Um, uh, they were cleaning out this this lady's house that was uh, going into a nursing home, and they needed the space. And they're like, "Hey, you know, we we heard about you, and we thought you might be interested, and and we could use a little bit of money." I was like, 
yeah, cool, done. But uh, so back to the Fraser Museum, I get this thing, and it's it's the first place medal for um, the Southern Exposition for Frank Fair for the first year of the Southern Exposition. And that's late 1800s again, right? 1883. Yeah. Yeah, 1883. Um, so, you know, I'm just like, holy cow, I have this thing in my hand. I mean, unbelievable. Um, so I immediately sent a text to uh, the two guys I knew over at the Fraser Museum, the curator, and, and uh, 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 hey, can we cuss on this thing? <laughs> but it was funny because they, like, their response was just like, holy cow, this is this is a state treasure. How, yeah. how did you find this thing? And and the next question was, and you're sending this photo to us because you're going to let us borrow that, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, I think I had the medal for maybe a week and a half. And the guys from the Fraser came over and picked it up. Oh, <laughs> so so they've had it for a while, along with a couple of, um, they've got a couple of signs or trays or something. And um, they had some other things that they brought back to me after their uh, Prohibition exhibit um, when they picked that stuff up. But, but yeah, it's... It's kind of neat that the the Fraser. I never knew. I never heard that story before. It's yeah, amazing. it's yeah, it's weird. And and so, he, he, the 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 desk. I've got Frank Jr.'s desk, the last desk that was in his house before he died. And uh, you, 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 this sounds funny, but when I said I, I actually labeled all those cans, I've got a, a manual, very manual labeling machine, uh, like a hand crank with a roll of labels on it. Um, I actually clamp it to Frank Jr.'s desk. To put the labels on, so uh, you know, great. I feel like there's a little like grabbing hold of a little history there somehow. It's so fun. not only do you like the beer, you, you've also seemed to kind of attached your your um, obsessed. <laughs> it's it's also the family name that you that you can appreciate more more than just like the, the beer and the brand. And, oh, I do, and yeah. So yeah. Are, are there descend descendants, Frank Fair descendants in the area? There are. Um, and do and you have it, a relationship with them? I wouldn't say a relationship, but but I get messages from them every now and then, and uh, usually, you know, we we've had birthday parties here, um, you know, for like when we first released the beer, it was in December, um, and so the, the next year we had a you know a party here at Akasha for the uh, the one year anniversary of the of the new release, and then um, last year it kind of hit me. I was like, wait a minute, you know, when's Frank Fair? When was he born? And he was actually born uh, the last day of of. Uh, of March, so the end of March, so it's like so. Last year we just had a, a party on Frank Fair's birthday. It's like that, you know that that's kind of fitting. Um, so hopefully we'll do the same. Well, I mean the plan is to do the same thing again this year. You yeah. know. So, what do you think? Kind of just a broader question, <laughs> I guess. But what do you think the Louisville community can, the Louisville beer community can do to get us back to a place as a beer city, to where we were before Prohibition? Uh, you know. I, that's an interesting thing. I don't know that. I don't know that it'll ever be exactly like that again. Um, you know, I, I don't like. I, I just don't. We're not going to be selling fares in San Francisco. I'm pretty sure. Um, but, but you know, um, I mean, like the guys. You know, guys over at Fall City, and um, uh, I mean, against the grain. I, I go to I go to Kansas a lot for work, and there's one of my favorite places out there for beer. You know, I always go in and buy beer when I'm there. And, and uh, I walk into Rob's World of Beer, and hey, there's against the grain beer in Goodwood sitting on the shelf now. You know, um, they're they're getting out there. I mean, that's it's really cool that they've got that distribution, um, and and the ability to, to make that happen. Um, but you know, it's 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 growing. It, it's maybe it's not fast, but it's growing. And I think there's something to be said about the breweries that are here. I mean, against the grain has a secondary brewery in Japan. 
Um, That's crazy. Monic. I, I've, I was in Amsterdam about a year ago. And I went. To, I walked into this bottle shop, yeah. and I saw a, a Monic beer there. It was, <laughs> it was due to a collaboration with another beer there in the, in the Netherlands. But just seeing a, a Louisville, Kentucky brewery bottle like label. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, well, I mean, it's cool. So we are we are on the right yeah, track, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't. I mean, again, I don't. I don't know that it's ever going to be quite like it was, but. Right. Uh, I think I think this but, we need more breweries in, in the West End. We're, yeah, we're getting shipping port that's opening up in the next yeah. year or so. Yeah, but you know, um, it used to be. I mean, it, and so you know, like thinking back, you know, like to these old guys that I run into all the time. My neighbor, um, uh, my neighbor Norman, cool dude, cool dude. But he used to he always talked about it, and I've heard the story from other guys. But he's like, man, when I was a kid, my dad would hand me a quarter, and I'd grab the bucket, you know, and I'd walk so down I'm to the brewery, and it's like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, you'd walk down to the brewery and get a bucket of beer. And he said they had pretzels at the brewery, too. So he said, I'd get a pretzel, and I'd dip that pretzel in the beer all the way back home, you know, and eat the pretzel. And then we'd sit down, and that was, you know, we had that beer with dinner. Like, that was just a normal thing. Um, Hank Williams Jr., I'm sorry, Hank Williams Sr. Had a, had a song called My Bucket's Got a Hole in It. You know, I can't get no beer, you know. I didn't realize that was the connection. Yeah. That's you know, it's funny to think about. You know, that was that was the growler of the day. Everybody just went down to the local brewery, and and can, can you imagine, like, if every neighborhood had a brewery? Yeah. And you know, that's uh, if, if you look, uh, I mean, a little bit of the history of this of this area, like you said, with the breweries. I mean, every every brewery, there were breweries all over the place. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. Not not all of them were making lagers um, or pilsners because that was it took a little time and. And temperature control was a little harder to deal with. Well, what they were making were Kentucky Commons. Kentucky Commons, exactly. Or porters. Um, you know, porters and commons and stouts. And, you know, they were making ales. Um, and, and yeah, Kentucky Commons. Everybody in town made a Kentucky Commons. One of the only, one of two beers that are indigenous to the United States. E- exactly, yeah, California yeah. California Commons and Kentucky Commons. Yeah, California Commons. Yeah, Fritz Maytag uh, brought back... Uh, um, Oh, what is that? I can't. I can't. How can, I can come up with Fritz's name, and I can't think of the uh, the uh, Anchor Steam. Oh, yeah. yeah, Anchor Steam, um, and that's a great beer, man. And and you know that was that that just happened because of like the Germans moved out there. They're making their regular recipe, but they couldn't cool it down enough, so it ended up with a little fruitier, you know, flavor, a little bit different. You know. So obviously, <laughs> Fair's Brewing had a lot of different beers. But there were about eight different styles. Yeah. Any, any plans to bring those other styles back? <laughs> it's funny. We were. I was just talking to Rick and Spencer about this. Yeah, we we'd like to uh, we'd like to have a Kentucky Common um, within the next month. So maybe you know for the Frank Fair's uh, birthday here uh, at the end of March, uh, maybe do a small batch of Common. Uh, have you so ever personally made that recipe at home? I have. I have. And and so <clears throat> the, you know the. The only recipe that I've got any kind of basis for for fairs is, is actually you know the uh, the fairs XL, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's important for the fairs brands to stick to traditional um, traditional recipes, and I, I don't you know um, I don't need to have anything weird in the beer or anything modern you know uh, uh, let's use old hops and let's let's make it the way they used to make it so speaking of which hold on. <laughs> Last night for Valentine's Day. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, Akasha wants to do some fun stuff, and and they had a I think a very an event called Very Hot Valentine's Day, and they had hot sauce and hot wings, and they they purposefully wanted to do a couple of different beers with spices and jalapenos in it, and uh, 
and glitter. They, they made they made a beer that might offend you. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not offended by it. Not a, not even a little bit. But it's, so it's, just to be clear, like it's it's made with fairs. Yeah. Uh, it is dyed red. There's glitter in it and uh, arbol uh, peppers. Yes. And it's, it's really pretty. spicy, and it's a pretty beer, but I look at that, and I'm just like, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it kind of throws me a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not offended by it at all. But it, but it is a funny thing when I think about, like, a common recipe. Um, the uh, I've, Like I've mentioned Conrad Selly a few times with the, the guy that wrote the book uh, that I love so much. But um, Conrad turned me on to a book from 1903 called The uh, Brewing, Malting, and Auxiliary Trades. Um, and it was, it was a literally a, a instruction book that was printed in, in 03 and it was it's a really great example of what was going on at the turn of the century um, and they talk about recipes and uh, techniques and equipment um, and when you go in there there's a very short section where they re- discuss the Kentucky common uh, so you know historically I feel like it's right on but but they talk about the, the, the malt and the color and the alcohol um, and I actually built a recipe from that, you know, and, and it's something I've brewed at home for, I don't know, for several years. I haven't brewed it in a while, but uh, um, when friends would come over and they're always like, hey, what's on tap? Um, with this beer, um, it, I always told people, drink it, but, like, or pour it, but don't look at it. Just take a sip first. <laughs> um, because some people, some people would take, uh, would, would pour it and see the color. I mean, it's a dark brown beer. I mean, it, it looks dark. But uh, Kentucky Common is, is light, crisp, refreshing. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, the, it's just got a little bit of dark malts for color, um, not flavor. You know, it's, it's a delicious beer. But, you know, it's made with corn. And, um, you know, because Frank Fair used six-row barley, um, my recipe always uses six-row <laughs> barley. <laughs> I know it drives some of the guys crazy because it's a little harder to get. But, but uh, I think it makes a difference in the flavor. So. So five years from now, 2025, <laughs> where, where do you see this brand? Oh, man. I, in every bowling alley and gas every. station in town, that would be the greatest. I'm, I'm, I know that sounds funny, but, but yeah, it's just I'd love to see it in, in, in cans, um, in more cans. Yeah. Um, we need to brew a bigger quantity. Um, and it's just going to, you know, things are growing um, at a nice rate. Um, uh, I'm not going to rush anything, but uh, I, I need to win the lottery first before uh, before the size of the brewery <laughs> increases. And, and even if I won the lottery, um, I would just uh, I would invest into into Akasha here, and we we just make this whole thing a little bit bigger, you know, uh, or a secondary brew house, you know, a production house would be awesome. But uh, um, but yeah, you know, I. I there's a lot of money involved in, in those big canning lines and a bigger brewing system. And, and I meant we're to just talk about there. this like minutes ago, but yeah. um, he, he Frank Fair had two brewery locations here in Louisville, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So uh, if you know if you know where First Quality, First Quality, uh, or First Link Supermarkets, that's where we, yeah they used to be down here uh, um, uh, between Preston and Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Um, Green Street. Green Street. It was Green Street. Yeah, years ago, and then later it was Fair Avenue, but. Um, oh, cool. Uh, actually, Frank Fair started working at a brewery right there, and worked there for about a year, um, and then bought it, and that became Frank Fair's Brewery. Um, that place burned in the 1890s, uh, 1880s. Bloody Excuse Monday, me. or no? No, it wasn't because it was just a just a brewery fire. Okay. But they moved across the street, 
uh, where Dosker Manor is now. Uh, but the entire city block was became Frank Fair's Brewery Number One, mm-hmm. and that's probably about the time Fair Avenue. It, it, instead of Green Street, they decided it was Fair Avenue. Um, but uh, that brewery was the one that was there till '64. And uh, uh, but yeah, the, there was another there was another brewery that went out of business uh, before Prohibition, and that's over on Logan Street. Mm-hmm. And that big tall building that everybody sees, it's uh, it's kind of rough. Yeah. That uh, that became Frank Fair's brewery number two, yeah. So, uh, you know, cold storage and 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 brewery, yeah. So this is all to say that in five years, maybe there's a production <laughs> house. Uh, <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. I, you know, what's funny? I, um, I'm just. Ex- I actually talked to a friend of mine, uh, a fellow musician up in Indiana that that works for a distributor, and. Um, was talking to him about you know some indiana distribution so we're going to start working together soon i think and and try to get a little more going on up there um but uh you know just baby steps i'm we i just got another pallet of cans which doesn't sound like anything (laughs) for uh you know the big breweries but but yeah you know label another pallet of cans and we're going to keep keep trying to get more cans out there and uh there's uh uh it just keep making beer I, I, i i I'd love to say it was going to be bigger. I think it will be, but I'm not sure what it's going to take yet. That's fair. Well, I do know what it's going to take, a whole bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you're out there listening and you'd like to donate to the Frank Fair Fund. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, man.